Brilliant. Well, good morning, church. And uh, I'm going to start my timer because otherwise I'll get carried away and then uh, I'll get carried away. <laughs> Such a privilege. What an amazing opportunity. To really, I'm humbled to be here today. I've never preached off the back of an earthquake before, so this is the first time. <laughs> but uh, on a celebration like this, three-year birthday, ordaining three amazing couples, I'm so excited to be part of that. And I've never got up before when four of my key scriptures have already been quoted by other people. Makes me think, God, you want us to catch your heart this morning. And so, uh, Bruce and Myra, thank you so much. It's a privilege and a delight. I, I love this couple. I love this man. We've had adventures together. We've cried together. We've uh, done amazing things together. I've loved traveling with Bruce. As a church, you are so fortunate to have Bruce and Myra as leaders of this church. This is an incredible couple with incredible vision, amazing gifts. And I know that God has, has got this church in such a unique position right now, about to catapult you into more and more. And so, Heavenly Father, I want to thank you so, so much for the privilege of being able to share your word this morning. I don't take this job lightly. We're trusting you, Lord, trusting in the presence and power. We know you're here with us, Holy Spirit. We've seen your evidence of your presence with us this morning. And Father, I know to get things into the head is one thing, but revelation of the heart, that's a supernatural thing, and we need you. We need the power of your Holy Spirit, and I'm asking for that anointing this morning. Yes. Lord God, we want to bring our hearts as an offering to you this morning. We want to present hearts that are open, that are fertile, that are ready, saying, come and Lord, come and speak, we pray. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. What I want to share with you this morning is that I want to take you into a little bit of a journey. And Bruce has had a major part of that journey without even knowing it. And you'll pick up some of that in a moment. But really the journey for me started beginning of this year. Bruce and I were together actually in Zimbabwe. Many of you come from Zimbabwe and it's an amazing nation. Had the privilege of ministering at the National Elders in Bulawayo in, in Harare. And, and in between I was part of the team meeting. I'm not part of that Zimbabwe team. And so I was listening in with sort of an outsider's perspective. But listening in. Bless you my brother. Thanks, John. Listening into what, uh, as the team was reporting, won't you open it for me? As the team was reporting what's been happening in the different churches, the state of the church. And, and I mean, I visited some of those churches, thank you. And I mean, they're beautiful churches, but one thing stood out to me over and over again. Oh, incredible poverty. Incredible poverty in the church. Poverty that's really struggling. Poverty. And I understand that. I mean, Zimbabwe is one of the poorest nations in the world. I've been there many times, and I get that. And but yet as the guys were feeding and sharing back, I began to wrestle with this thought. You know, there's poverty on the outside and poverty on the outside is when you have a lack of resources. When poverty gets on the inside, that's when it becomes a real problem. Poverty on the inside is not about resources. Poverty on the inside can become an identity. I went from there a few weeks later across to Pakistan. And I've been in there. This was my third trip into Pakistan. Chad, my friend from uh, Outlook, he was with me. And I've been in many times and, and never before in another nation, and I've been to many, have I seen this kind of poverty on the inside as much as I've seen in Pakistan. The identity of Christians. Now, I'm not trying to say it's easy to be a Christian in Pakistan. It's the Islamic Republic of Pakistan. And so, yes, there is. But we've done outdoor evangelism. There's churches in all of the cities. There's many churches. There's Christian communities. We can preach the gospel. But the identity of the pastors and the Christians is we are the poor persecuted Christians of Pakistan. 
And because it's become an identity, the main thing as the, as the church and as the leaders interact with us, you can see their salvation, their hope is in trying to recruit international monetary donations. And so all of the ministries to try and take us and convince us as outsiders, can you contribute because this is our only salvation? You see, now poverty has gone from the outside and it's gone to the inside. Now, Jesus said an amazing thing. He said, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of God. Now, he was saying it's blessed. I mean, actually, this sense of inner poverty, this, this spirit of sometimes desperation, this spirit of, God, I, mean, I, I can't do it, I'm helpless. That's a good place to start because it should be connecting us. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of God. Good place to start, but not good place to stay. And in that moment, I began to wrestle, God, what is wrong? Why are there so many churches and so many nations and so many Christians when people are living not in the blessed part of the blessed or poor in spirit, they're still living in the poor in spirit? Make sense? What about the gospel are we doing wrong? Now, I'm an engineer by background, it's my thinking, and I'm absolutely convinced that every problem is a gospel problem, and so every solution is going to be a gospel solution. And I began to cry out saying, God, have I been preaching the gospel wrong? Have we been preaching the gospel wrong? How is it that so many people, they know their sins are forgiven, they know they're going to heaven, and yet are still living with an inner sense of poverty, that poverty mentality. God, give me some answers, please. And then I felt God begin to speak to me. And what I want to share with you today is my humble confession, because I realized I've been preaching the gospel, not wrong, wrong, but incomplete wrong for the last 25 or 26 years. And the conclusion that I came to might sound so simple when you hear it now, but it, it hit me really hard. I realized that the gospel the good news of the kingdom of God does not start with Jesus. And I'm Jesus focused. I'm a Jesus lover. I'm passionate about Jesus, my king. But I realized, and we heard it quoted this morning, the Bible says, the most famous verse in the Bible says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. And then I suddenly realized it's true. The gospel doesn't start with Jesus. It starts with the Father who loves his children. And even the Great Commission, when Jesus commissioned us, he said, go out into all of the world, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them, which for me is more than just dousing them in water. To be baptized means to be immersed, baptizing them in the name. And name is more than just Brent. It's your character, your attribute, your nature. So to disciple someone means to immerse them in the character, the nature, the attributes of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And I realized in that moment, I've been preaching a fatherless gospel. I've been teaching people about Jesus who died for our sin. Jesus who carried our iniquity and our guilt and our shame. He paid the price, conquered death, conquered sin, conquered the grave and gives us eternal life. And I meet Christians everywhere who know their sins are forgiven and they're going to heaven, but they're living with a poverty mentality. And I realized I've been preaching a fatherless gospel and then the next thing hit me. The gospel doesn't end with Jesus. 
It doesn't end with a ticket to heaven. Your sins are forgiven. Jesus himself said in John 14, verse 6, remember that famous verse? I am the way and the truth and the life. Nobody comes to the Father except through me. Jesus was not saying, I'm giving you a ticket to heaven. He's saying, better than that, I'm giving you a ticket to my Father in heaven. Our ultimate destination is not heaven. It's the Father in heaven. Jesus paid the price. He did all of that because he wants you connected to your heavenly Father. And I began to, please don't hear my heart. I'm not diminishing the role of Jesus. We were a Jesus-focused, Jesus-loving people. But I realized, this is what I realized. A poverty mentality, a poverty spirit has got nothing to do with money. You just mentioned it. It manifests itself in money. Some, but the real root, it's not money. A poverty spirit is all about value. And value comes from a good father. And I realize the fruit of preaching a fatherless gospel is a valueless people. Let me say that again. The fruit of preaching a fatherless gospel is a valueless people. And then I realized, but it's so true. You see, valuable people will live valuable lives and they will add value to others. But people who don't know their sense of value will shrink their lives down to their low sense of value while desperately trying to get value from others. Today, I want to talk to you about being baptized in the value of your father. I want to read a key text in... uh, In Ephesians chapter 1, listen to the beautiful language of our Father. It says in Ephesians 1 verses 3 to 8. It says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. Doesn't sound like a lot of poverty there, does it? For He chose us in Him, chose us. You know, part of a poverty mentality is when you feel neglected. You feel abandoned. Does anybody love me? Our Father chooses people. He chose us in Him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in His sight. In love, He predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with His pleasure and will to the praise of His glorious grace which He's freely given us in the one He loves. In Him, we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace that He lavished on us. Don't you love that word? Lavished. When last did you use the word lavished in a sentence? So there's your homework for today. Do your best to try and use the word lavished. Our Father is the lavish God. And our job, the beauty of the gospel, should be connecting a fatherless people to the heavenly Father who gives them value. But now here's the next thing, and this is something that Bruce taught me, but it never, the penny never dropped until recently. Remember when Jesus was baptized? Glorious occasion. And he comes up out of the water and it says, heaven was opened. And the dove comes down. The Holy Spirit comes like a dove and rests on Jesus. And the voice of the Father says, this is my son, whom I love, with him I'm well pleased. And a couple of years later, Jesus takes James, Peter, John. They go up on the mountain and and standing on the top of the mountain, he begins to shine with the glory of God. And Moses and Elijah are there and Peter's a bit freaked out. and, And the cloud comes down and the voice comes from the cloud and says, This is my son, 
whom I love. With him I'm well pleased. Listen to him. And now can you imagine the impact that that must have had on Peter's life? Because years later, as he's writing to the church, and he says in, in 2 Peter 1, in verse number 17, it speaks about Jesus, and it says, Jesus received honor and glory from God the Father when the voice came to him from the majestic glory, saying, This is my Son, whom I love, with him I'm well pleased. Two amazing things there. It says, For Jesus... Received. Say received. He received glory and honor from God the Father when the voice, say voice, voice. You see, those two things we receive from the voice of our Father. Now, the amazing thing about the gospel, what Jesus did is he connected us to the very throne of God, which I know is the very heartbeat of Bruce as he's preached it around the world. And I've heard his sermons 143 times. And I love them every time. He's got a passion to see us. That's why this has changed and it's impacted me. And I hope if you haven't caught it yet, you'll catch it today. It's the voice of the Father in our lives that connects us. If you don't know, listen to me carefully. If you don't know how to receive your value from your heavenly Father, you're going to desperately try and earn it from the world. That's how it works. If you don't know how to receive from the voice of your Father... This is my son, whom I love, with you I'm well pleased. If you don't know how to receive that, you're going to try and earn it. Because you need to feel valuable. We want to feel valuable. And in the kingdom of God, it's about giving and, and receiving. In the world, it's about earning. And if you haven't made that transition in your heart, learning to receive from your father, you're going to work hard. Now, let me pick on pastors for a moment. Because pastors, we've got to learn. I've been into so many churches and so many nations. When it seems like the pastor is, I don't know, there's the Father, Jesus, and the, and the pastor like right under. He's part of not a trinity anymore. It's a quarantine. I don't know if you get a word like that. Because it's almost like I've been into, into literally, I've walked into churches in, in India and Pakistan when, when the worship stops because the pastor's arrived. And you walk in and they're throwing flowers on you and, and making way. And, and the pastor sits on the stage while everyone sits on the floor. And, and you've got garlands and you've got this and that and, and you've got these huge titles and people are touching my feet. It's like, what are you doing? We want to touch the feet of the holy men. And I'm like, what is going on? And then this has been orchestrated by pastors. They've allowed it to happen. Why? Because if you don't know how to receive your value from the Father, you're going to find ways. Pastors can find it through titles and positions and stages. Businessmen can find it through money and success. People can find it through their looks, through their beauty. You're going to look for it on social media. Your heart is going to go hunting for value if you don't know how to receive it from your father. It's huge. Which is why, which is why I want for the next couple of minutes, I want you to hear the voice of your father. I want to give you five ways the father is speaking value over your life. And I'm praying at least one of them will penetrate your heart so that the penny drops, lights go on. I am valuable to my Father. Number one, the Father communicates value through the very way that you are made. And some people here need to hear this today. Remember the Genesis account? We know it well. Genesis 1, 26 to 27 
When God said, let us make mankind in our image and our likeness so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals, of all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created mankind in his own image and the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. Do you know what I know? I know that God made me. And it's easy to say that, but I went to university, I studied physics at university, and I'm going to tread carefully now because some of you are in academic institutions and some of you are in schools, and you're going to be teaching a curricula which teaches people that we are an evolved form of mammal, kind of we basically monkey version two. <laughs> now, I'm saying this carefully because I'm not here to debate how to create a planet. I mean, the engineer in me would love to see Genesis 1 and 2 as an engineering manual how to create earth. It's not. It's more about who than how. And so whether it was 24 hours or whether it was 24 time periods, you can debate that till the cows come home. But here's my conclusion. God made me. If your conclusion is time made you and chance made you, you're going to struggle with your sense of value. And, And here's the thing. Jesus said this. He said, wisdom is proved right by all of her children. What's the difference between a good idea and wisdom? What does it give birth to in the future? And so science and academia can can preach a message, we are an evolved form of mammal, and what has it given birth to? A people who desperately don't know their value. Because their value now is I'm an evolved monkey. I know that my God in heaven made me. That's the foundation of my value. Do you see what a difference it makes? That's why I'm, tr- I'm not trying to mock academia. I'm looking at the consequences of man's clever ideas. And man's coming up with a lot of clever ideas at the moment. But you know, that's the human race. Now let's get individual. I wrestled for many of those 18 years that we've traveled together. Because I had a gripe with God. Have you ever honestly had a gripe with God? Okay, well, some of you are lying because I know you have. I had a gripe with God, and this was my gripe. Bruce and I planted churches at the same time. We do the same job. We've got the same passion for the nations. And yet, Lord, it's not fair. And I'll tell you why. Because if you want me to be a preacher and leader into the nations, why make me like this and not more like that? Because i tell you why, because Bruce is the extrovert and I'm the introvert, and Bruce has got confidence and I'm shy and get nervous, and Bruce is that guy who stands on pulpits, and, and in South America, people love to take photos, like they always do, I don't know why, but I mean, it's like you, you preach, then they want to take a photo, so we finish ministering, it's like, hey, Brent, 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 please hold the camera and take a photo of Bruce and I, it's like, whatever, <laughs> and every, let me tell you, everywhere we go, people love Bruce, they want to take a photo with Bruce, like, whatever, and I'm like, God... This is not fair. Come on. I mean, surely, if you've called us to do the same thing, why not make me more extrovert, confident, bold when I'm like, ugh? And then God spoke to me. And it's a well-known scripture which we heard. It says, the word of the Lord came to me. Jeremiah 1, 4 and 5. The word of the Lord came to me saying, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. And as I read that one day, I felt this little, it must have been a God thing because it was weird. I felt this little question pop up in my heart. Which came first, your DNA or your calling? What a weird question. So I'm asking you the weird question. 
Which came first, your DNA or your calling? You see, according to this, before I formed you, I knew you. Before you were born, I appointed you. And I suddenly realized, God, before you made me introverted, shy, stressed, anxiety, before you did all of that, you already knew I want this boy to go preach into the nations. But I'm going to give him this perfect DNA to perfectly fulfill my perfect plan for his life. And I suddenly like, thank you, Lord, for making me me. Honestly, it set me free. It set me free. And some of you need to hear that today. God has not made a mistake. You have fought against your gender, you fought against your race, you fought against your personality type. God does not make mistakes. He has perfectly created you to perfectly fulfill the perfect plan that He has for your life. That's how valuable we are. We are His masterpiece to perform His will. Amen? Remember this as well. Remember this as well. That temple that Solomon built, Old Testament built a temple was the most expensive building ever made. It was plastered with gold everywhere. Gold, it was like 10 billion or something. Friends, now we're it. The Bible says we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. You are sitting next to the most expensive building ever made. We're it. It's as if God was trying to emphasize that's how valuable the earthly building was. Now you, glorious covenant, you are the new temple. You, the carrier of the Holy Spirit. That's how valuable we are. And guess what? You didn't earn it. So you can't boast. But what we can do is say, thank you, Lord. Let it humble us and fill us with gratitude. We are valuable to the Father. Second one. God speaks value over you through the mouthpiece of his son, Jesus Christ. When Jesus speaks, stuff happens. Let there be light, light happen. I remember wrestling through this. I come from poverty mentality thinking. And I realized this is not about money. This is about value. I actually began to ask people at one point, if you had to measure your sense of value, not to 10. 10 being you the most valuable person in the world, not being you like worm food. Okay. What number would you give yourself? Do you know what the average was? About three and a half. Most people see themselves about a, th- I kind of, I put myself about the three or four. That's how I sort of, as a result, I'm a happy back of the plane, economy class, by the window kind of guy. That's me. I'm, I mean, I, and I've done lots of, we've done hundreds, thousands of miles together. And Bruce gets the extra leg room because I don't want to talk to him for eight hours. I want to read my book. I'm an introvert. But so I'm normally sitting right at the back of the place. It's the Lonnie's who sit in the front. You know, you get that first class, business class, and <laughs> sitting at the back because that's kind of the way I see myself. And as we we're. F- so, <laughs> oh, no, no, you don't fly business class, you fly exit row class. <laughs> as we were flying one day, I was, I was praying, pondering, and, and this scripture. We know it well. Matthew 6 verse 26. Jesus speaking to his disciples. He said, look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns and your heavenly father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Are you not much more valuable? Look how I look after everything I've created. I look after it. And you much more valuable than everything else I've created. And it it just, I'm struggling, Lord. I I don't feel valuable. 
I just, I, I'm battling to see myself the way you see me. And our next flight, I think was, uh, I don't know if you were with me on that, but next flight, I think was from Bogota down to Sao Paulo. And, and as I checked in, they said, oh, Mr. Brading, uh, we're going to be upgrading you today. And I walked into business class, <laughs> sat down on that chair when you recline, and it's got that built-in back massager. <laughs> and for six hours, I'm lying back. I'm drinking non-alcoholic champagne. <laughs> and the father is speaking over you. Are you not much more valuable than they now, I don't need to fly business class. I'm quite comfy back there. The point is, the way the Father sees you and the way you see you are probably completely different. So whose voice are you going to listen to? If you call yourself a believer, then you know what you've got to do. Believe. Exactly. Jesus said this in Matthew chapter 10, verses 29 to 31. He said, what is the price of two sparrows? One copper coin? But not a single sparrow can fall to the ground without your father knowing it. And the very hairs on your head are all numbered. So don't be afraid you are more valuable than a whole flock of sparrows. Isn't it amazing? Jesus has just connected provision and value. And now he's connected fear and value. So actually, if you're struggling with that sense of provision, what's the real issue? It's your sense of value. If you're living your life constrained by fear, and we live in a nation where people are struggling with fear, things have happened, things could go wrong, fear of the future. No, no, the country's not the problem. The crime's not the problem. The problem is your sense of value to the Father. Oh, Lord, come and set us free. I'm valuable. I'm valuable. Number three, God speaks value over you by the amount he was willing to pay to get you back. Because we gave ourselves away into slavery. We sold ourselves into slavery through our sin. Bible says anyone who sins is a slave to sin. Sin leads to death under Satan's rule. And out of slavery, God says, no, no, you are so valuable. I want you out of slavery. I want you back in my kingdom. And to get us back, he had to pay. Now, we bought a church site in Richards Bay. I'm going to try and keep the story short. But basically, I was told there's no church sites in Richards Bay. And for 10 years, we were in a school hall. And then one day, a lady phoned me and said, Brent, here's a church site. I said, no, you're wrong. There's no church sites. She said, no, Brent, you're wrong. I work here. So I shut up. <laughs> but anyway, long story. The, the, the fact is, you couldn't just buy the land from the municipality anymore. Now you have to put a public tender in through the newspaper or whatever. You get one shot, one price, who wins the land? So they valued the land, 600000 We asked God, how much do we pay? We've got to, we've got to at least pay six hundred. but how do we pay more? What, how much should we pay? And God answered. He told us, pay the full price. That's what he said to David. Thank you, God, for your word. What's the full price? Nothing. I mean, we just didn't hear anything from the Lord. So eventually, we took everything. All our money we'd been saving. We had just over a million bucks in the bank. So now if we pay a million and it's only worth 600, we've wasted 400,000 rand. But we like pay the full price. This is everything we have. I wrote it out. 1 million, 1,111. I didn't want to tie. So we put, uh, put our tender in. Others put their tenders in as well. It was a different kind of cult religion. They put a tender in. And they put in 1,450,000. We put in 1,000,000. We spent 500 rand too much on a million rand pud. 
The point is we had paid exactly the right amount. But here's the thing. The world valued the land at 600. For us, it was more valuable. We paid a million. Now, here's the thing. Bible tells us in 1 Peter 1, 18 and 19, if you know, for you know, that it was not with perishable things such as silver or gold that you were redeemed from the empty way of life handed down to you from your ancestors, but with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. Friends, the world is going to value you down here. You might value yourself down here. The Father looks at your value. He doesn't pay you three or four out of ten. He pays ten, the precious blood of Jesus. That's how valuable the Father sees you. We've got to let it sink into our hearts. I'm just going to give you the final two points. But I love, You know, you're so valuable. Point number four is that God didn't just want you out of slavery. He wanted you at the dining room table. He wanted you in the family. We heard that beautiful scripture, John 12, 1 verse 12. To all who received them, he gave them the right to become children of God. I've learned, we, people ask me how many kids have I got, I always say two and a half, because I've got two biological sons, and we've got Jody. And I love Jody. she's absolutely gorgeous, she just turned 25, she's getting married in September, and she's lived with us the last 10 years, she's been part of our life about 15 years, not legally adopted, in fact her dad got saved, she, her mom abandoned her, her dad got saved, but she's lived with us in our house for the last, I don't know, 10-12 years, love her like a daughter, she's a gift from God, and she's taught me what it means to know when you're a child. Because, I mean, I'm staying with Bruce and Mara, and I've stayed there many times, but, I mean, I'm, friends love them, but a guest in their home. I mean, I, I kind of do raid the fridge sometimes, but you kind of hold back a little bit. Take the rust, for example. But, but, kids in the house, you know what it's like, parents. They don't come to you and say, hey, would you mind, mom, if I... No, they just raid everything, because it's mine. I mean, if I stayed... You know, like a week or so, I'd, I'd probably like, can I help with the cooking? No, that would be a waste. Myra's too good. Well, can I take you for a meal? Kids, take you for a meal. Come on, mom, we need breakfast, lunch, daily, dinner every single day. I mean, if I stayed a month, I might be, shh, I'm landing. If we stayed a month, no problem, I might sort of volunteer. Can I contribute, you know, towards the cost? Can I pay some rent? Kids, pay rent. Hello. Pocket money. <laughs> Point is this. Family think different to guests. Most Christians don't get it. That that you were talking about, that, that prodigal son. The young son was the naughty one. But he had a revelation of the goodness of his father. As much as he'd blown it, he knew when the pawpaw hits the fan, I'm going back to my father. The oldest son was the perfect child. Straight A's at school. Never went to detention. Never set a foot wrong. But... His identity was more in his morality and his achievement than the relationship he had with his father. And we heard that scripture. All these years I've been slaving. Doesn't sound like a son. But you didn't give me anything. Sounds like earning. He never got to go into the celebration. Didn't know what it meant to be a son. Praise our father. You're so valuable to the father. He doesn't just want you there. He wants you dining room table. Right here. You belong isn't that beautiful? Valuable. One last one that's taken me by surprise. I love my coffee because I'm a Christian. Some of you guys who don't drink coffee, Michelle, really. I mean, it's, <laughs> I married the you married the coffee guy. There we go. Two became one flesh, so there we go, as long as he liked. Point is this. 
at Outlook Church, I know it's bad, but it's one of the perks of being on full-time staff at Outlook is we get our cappuccinos free. Okay, so, and I think we make great care. Love them. <laughs> Just I'm sowing a seed right here. So anyway, if you go across to the restaurant, Mug and Bean or something, pay like 40 bucks or whatever. And it's, I mean, the coffee's pretty much the same, but that's free. This is 40 bucks. On the way back from Pakistan the other day, you know, sometimes you get off a flight if you've been a flyer or something. And sometimes you want coffee. Sometimes you need coffee. And I remember getting off that flight early in the morning or whatever it was, landed at 6 a.m. and you're like, need, and, and you just, just give me coffee and 124 rand. Wow, okay. Still worth it. But here's my point. Here's my point. Three cappuccinos, pretty much the same. Three, 40 bucks, 124 rand. What's the difference? The difference is the environment. That Outlook environment, I get them free. Restaurant environment, 40 bucks. Dubai Airport, 124 rand. I want to ask you, what's your primary environment? You see, I don't know, I don't know what, where you come from, but where I come from, firstly, there's no potholes. But if there were, we would fill potholes with gold because that's what our streets are made of. You see, my citizenship... It might sound weird to you, but that's okay. I'm a bit weird. But my citizenship is not actually planet Earth. You see, my father has given me a new passport, and he says, now I'm a citizen of heaven. I come from a heavenly kingdom. I'm on earth here for a while to do my father's business, but I'm here representing him because that's my primary environment. And because I come from such an amazing place, my value is based on my environment. Bible tells us in Philippians chapter 3 and verse 20, but our citizenship is in heaven. And we eagerly await a savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ. I want to ask you today, how valuable are you? See, if you don't know your value, valuable people, they will live valuable lives. I haven't created my value. I haven't earned it. I've been given it. My value makes me valuable and makes me feel I can add value to people every day through when I meet them at the grocery store, at work. I can add value to people's lives because I'm valuable. If you don't know your value, you're going to shrink your life down to your low sense of value while you desperately try and earn value from the world. And Jesus wants to set us free. I want to ask you today. Will you hear the voice of your father saying, this is my son, whom I love, with whom I'm well pleased? Why don't you stand with me? And I, I want to pray. And while I do, I want to tell you one last story. We had a, a lesbian couple come into our church a while back. And I sat talking to this one, this, this one, of, the, of, the, one of the ladies. And I said, please just tell me your story. And she said to me, my father only wanted a rugby playing son, and I'm all he got. And she was raised as a rugby playing son. She went on, did well, played Springboks. All she knew was how to be a rugby playing son. And now she's confused, wrestling with her identity, her sexuality, all sorts. There was a brokenness. She was weeping. And I looked at her, and I, and I, and I lovingly said to her, can I be honest with you? You had a bad father. And your bad father has led you into a mess. But now the good news. I want to introduce you 
to your perfect heavenly father who's going to lead you out of that mess. And I want to speak it over some of you today. Maybe you had bad father backgrounds. Maybe you don't have a father. Maybe you don't have a relationship with your father. At age of 12, Jesus switched from a biological father to his heavenly father. And for some of you, today's the day you've got to make that switch. My heavenly father is my primary father. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your incredible love. The gospel starts with you. It finishes with you. Father, we can have a relationship with you. And Father, I pray right now that you would come and minister into every one of our hearts, O Lord. Father, for those who have no sense of their value, I pray that even through the way we made, I pray for people this morning who think you've made a mistake, who, who, who struggle thinking they, they're not big enough, beautiful enough, strong enough, wrong color, wrong personality, wrong race, whatever. Father, would you settle? You've made us valuable. Father, I pray that we would hear the words of Jesus. If it's fear, if it's worry, if it's doubt that's holding us back, we would realize today we are valuable. And because we're so valuable, you watch over us and protect us and care for us. Father, may we know that you treat us as 10 out of 10 value. The world might treat us as a two or a three or a four. You paid the price, the 10 out of 10 price, the blood of Jesus, because that's how you see us. Father, where we've been acting like guests in your home, we repent. We children, your children, oh Lord. Jesus, thank you that in you, we have access to our Father. And thank you for our environment. Citizens, of the kingdom of heaven. May we walk with a dignity. May we walk with a richness inside of us. May we walk with an understanding. You've defined me. You have made me valuable. So Father, we repent this morning of listening to the world, listening to the lies of the enemy, listening to our own lies we speak over ourselves. Today we choose to believe your word in Jesus' name. And God's people say, Amen. Amen. Amen.